Welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your weekly fix of all things Perth Wildcats and Aussie basketball. Presented by Perth Now. Hello and welcome to the Dribble Podcast. You'll look at the Perth Wildcats, both present and past. And today, we'll chat to one of the past fan favourites in Rashad Tucker. My name's Chris Robinson from Perth Now and the West. Before we bring in our guest for the day, the man alongside me every week, three-time NBL champ, Perth Wildcats vice-captain and a 13-rebound performance. <laughs> he's fresh off, Mr. Greg Hire. Welcome back, Greg. Thank you, mate. It's uh, it's always nice to go back. We're obviously a proud history of the club, so when we, we discuss the game plan of uh, what we're going to do this week for mm. this week's podcast, a little bit of nostalgia to, uh, I don't know if that's the way it's pronounced probably, I struggle yeah, yeah. with my no, English, but there that's we it. go, to, to <laughs> one of... Uh, I guess a cult hero of the Wildcats may not be everyone's favourite player, but the way his style sort of transformed the game mm. at, at a time when maybe the Wildcats were struggling. And, uh, yeah, he's obviously still around in Australia. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to, to hear from Rashad, Rashad Tucker. Should be a really interesting chat. Provided a lot of highlights, as you say, in an era where there might not have been as many highlights as mm. Wildcats fans might have liked. Before we get to Rashad, uh, the win over Cairns last Saturday night, yep. filled with all sorts of drama <laughs> I mean, you guys keep rolling and get the win in the end. You did it the hard way. Uh, everyone by now knows for about sure. the late Bryce Cotton foul. Brain fade. You guys leading by four points with two seconds left and all that can sink you is a four-point play and that's what sunk you. Tell us about the reaction oh. immediately post-game. Were you guys getting around Bryce? What Bryce felt like? I mean, what was that whole thing like, being able to escape with that win? I mean, it was like a... The whole game was pretty, you know, from a... Uh, I Like, a, aesthetically on the eye, it was pretty ugly. You know, like, from yep. a... Like, I, there was yeah, so Cairns, many... Cairns often do that to, oh, to teams. Mate, but, bit. like, just even, like, there was a lot of, you know, just throughout the game, silly turnovers, easy opportunities missed. And, um, or, yeah, and as I said, like, you go up in Cairns, like, you take that win as much as, you know, they're sitting bottom of the ladder. Like, you know... It's going to be a tough environment to play in. That crowd, it, it like gives them an extra, um, you know, pump up. And um, so yeah, so yeah, you got five seconds left. I'm thinking, yeah, we've walked away with a win, huge. We can keep on rolling. I mean, right now, if three starters out, anytime you can get a win, you're pretty, you're pretty pumped. And thinking, yep. I mean, I was guarding the inbound, and it sort of just went, yeah. Well, Trimble's just going to shoot a three, and was not expecting the slightest to see the best player in the league try and attempt to block a shot that <laughs> I, as soon as I saw it, I was like oh no like I knew it was going to be a foul it was a case of please do not go in um, and it was just so so many different dynamics like Trimble just facing the referee as he was shooting it sideways because he pretty much knew he was fouled and pretty much I thought just gave up yeah. um, to him not even reacting because he didn't know it went in until his teammates swamped him um, um, Bru- so Bryce jumping without oh, his hands in the air, gave, just kind of doing a little salmon, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we were just like, oh, and I knew straight. I was <laughs> as soon as I left, I was like, that's in, and um, it was literally a case of I hope he was he was over the line, um, and then like I saw the replay, and I was even saying to ref like, what are we even reviewing? That's definitely a three pointer. <laughs> so, yeah, from that that absolute high of going we've won a game here and you know like you, you always know that sometimes you're up and I'm thinking four points five seconds like I'm not expecting anyone to challenge a shot to then going okay we've got an overtime I was done I was gassed and um, so it was good like obviously went from the highs to then going yeah we've got to, to go back into it. Um, Bryce I mean for the guy he I, that's the worst I've ever seen him like his sort of demeanour like he was obviously um, 
you know, still had his, uh, you know, his head focused in the game, but you could just see how bothered he was by that, those actions. I mean, if only for like, I mean, we're laughing about it right now because we walk away for win, but if we lose, I'm sure he'd be kicking himself. I mean, he would be still thinking about it now. So it's been a, a, a fun couple of days. We've we watched the tape millions of times to give him a little bit of uh, stick. I even yesterday during one of our scrimmage sessions, um, he had the ball at half court, and instead of me challenging the shot, I did a salmon right by him just to. <laughs> <laughs> just to remind him that uh, he was a bit of an idiot for the possession. How, how did but, he take that? Yeah, well, it was funny. He said he didn't even notice, but the whole okay. team was sort of... I mean, <laughs> my f- first reaction was to look at Trev and go, oh, I wonder if he's going to blast me for not for not being serious. But, yeah, he actually found the comical value behind it as well. So, awesome to get the win. Like, I mean, guys stood up, especially in the overtime. And um, I actually saw a pretty amusing tweet that said Bryce Noel along what he was doing. He, he was going for the point spread. We ended up, you know, we would have only won by four or if you hit a three by one and we end up winning by five so our percentage gets boosted and some, funnily enough it seems like Bryce did the right thing so as he, uh, as he always <laughs> does as he's a theme on this podcast yeah so uh, but no he was pretty good we got around him afterwards um, he was pretty good he sort of joked around straight away immediately after the, and in the huddle said that he was testing us to see if we could uh, we could bounce back and if we could back him up um, but no it was pretty it was pretty cool and um, yeah pumped that we could go away otherwise Jeez, I'd be thinking there'll be a game that all year, all season, you'd be like, oh, if only. So, <laughs> crazy, crazy, dumb play by Bryce in the end, but uh, lucky enough to get the win. All right, we'll park the present day stuff for the time being and bring in our very special guest. He's a man who was a fan favourite in his time in Perth and an absolute triple double machine uh, in the mid part of last decade. His name is Rashad Tucker, and he's been good enough to join us. Rashad, thanks so much for joining us and, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks for having me. How, you know, how y'all boys going out there? Nah, good, mate. Rolling at eight and one. We're just trying to. I mean, I'd be if I could get a triple double or even close to to emulating that at one time in my life, I'd be happy. But pumped to be speaking to a to a club legend. That, that's for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Like I said, I had some good old days when I was out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Richard, off the top, where whereabouts uh, are you joining us from today, and and what does your life look like post career? What are you up to these days? Oh, I'm um, I'm out here in Adelaide at the moment. I've been here for the uh, past few years, and um, yeah, right now um, I'm doing some coaching with a club out here called Forestfield, and um, I'm the coaching uh, the Premier, you know, the, the assistant coach with the Premier League, which is the um, the highest grade of men, and then the reserve man, which is the second. So I'm the head coach of that one. Yeah. And uh, Besides that, I, I started my own little basketball program, which is called uh, GTM, which stands for uh, Game Time Moves. And um, and what I do is just, uh, you know, give kids, um, you know, feedback and, you know, help them get their work on their game and get better in different aspects of the game. And uh, that's that's been well enough to where I, um, I've been fortunate enough to send uh, quite a few kids over to college and things like that as we speak and got a couple kids that's uh, about two kids that's playing in the NBL right now so you know it's been going that's been uh, keeping me busy for the most part Fantastic one, one of those kids is Majuk Deng um, Rashad who's done great things with Adelaide had a massive season in particular last last season how how rewarding is it for you now to be sort of post career giving back and, and being a part of the next generation sort of coming through yeah, it's, um, it's good. Like, yeah, Majuk, one of my um, one of my main guys that you know he uh, gave me the whole idea of um, 
just starting this thing and just having a chance and believing in it, to uh, be honest with you. And, um, yeah, you know, just one of the things that um, that I always had that was always part of me is uh, just trying to help is to help kids. You know, kids is a big part of a part of my life because I got three of my own. And, um, you know, just seeing kids smile and, and, you know, just giving them, you know, something that they can believe in and achieve, you know, just make it worthwhile. So that's just one of the best things that I think uh, a reward a person can give is some uh, back to the kids. I've got a, you know, there's, there's, I guess it's becoming a, a norm, Rashad, but a lot of the imports sort of, well, back back then would stay in Australia. What what chose you to not go back, If correct me if I'm wrong, you're from Illinois, but to, to stay in Australia, set some some roots up here. Um, and then the, on the other side, I know, I mean, I'd love to do an individual with you because I imagine when a guy's slacking, you're also challenging him and maybe trying to go, let's go one-on-one and, and to wind it back. I mean, what what made you choose to stay in Australia? And, and you know, what are the, what's the what's the biggest things that you're trying to translate to some of these players? Well, one of the, um, the biggest the, the biggest reason why I stayed in Australia because I have two kids over here, yep. um, you know, of my own that's in Australia. So uh, that just made the decision real easy just to stay over here and, and plus, you know, the lifestyle and the weather and things like that. I don't want to go back. You know, I hate the snow with a pack. <laughs> so, you know, just being up in in Chicago in that um, in that area in the wintertime, it ain't no, you know, it just ain't no, uh, it wasn't a hard decision to, for me to make. And, but I had came over here just to visit, you know, vi- just to visit at the time. But then I just, um, you know, um, ended up having two kids and things like that. So that just... Um, made me just want to just settle here which I you know which I always loved Australia that's why I came back when I was a player and things like that from different clubs I played with yeah Rashad taking you back to your first season um, at the Wildcats I think it was 03-04 was that season as I mentioned off the top you put up some ridiculous numbers I think you averaged you averaged 18 10 and 7 that season it included I think 6 triple doubles um, these were 48 minute games as opposed to the 40 now but they are still absurd numbers <laughs> that you put up how when you look back at, at your time particularly that sort of first season in Perth how how fond are those memories what sort of comes back to you when you think about that time oh, it's just um, it's just one of them things um, when you put like one of the best rewards you can uh, the things you can see as a player is when you see some of the hard work pay off mm. and uh, you know when I first came to um, to Perth, you know, I I knew I had to prove my state. I had to prove myself, but little that people know, me proving myself wasn't a hard thing for me to do. So I just uh, just took it on the just took it like I take any took any other situation. I'm just gonna go give it all I got. Whatever happened, happened. You know, I, at least I can be proud of myself personally because I know I left it all on the court. Yeah, and uh, and it just ended up in the kind of results, but it wasn't something I was aiming at. It just um, I like, you know, I just know what it takes to win. At that point, I just knew what it took to win, is scoring, rebounding, and assists. So I just tried to, to do it all at the best um, best of my ability. And you did it very well, Rashad. It was a, it was a bit of a traditional, uh, sorry, tra- transitional, I should say, time for the club. Lahoff and Fisher, these guys had just retired. Ricky Grace was sort of coming to the end. How... How much of an onus did you sort of put on yourself to, to put the team on your back and, and sort of become one of the faces of the club at that time? How much did you thrive in that role? 
Well, you know, one of the things that uh, really helped me out a lot, you know, something that I I was a good listener, you know, and um, I knew them guys let me know about the history of the Wildcats and things like that. And, um, you know, I just listened to Fed off uh, what they what they wanted me to do and what they and what people expected us as a whole. And um, like I said, it just made me take the 100 percent that I normally give to take it to 110 percent. And so I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to be the reason that Perk couldn't continue a tradition and things like that, you know, that they had before I came and and, um, and that they still living up to it at this point. I've, uh, I've got something for you, mate. One of my favourite memories growing up as a teenager, obviously from Perth, was uh, the Wildcats linked in with And One. I think they presented a, a sort of a, a double header with, uh, I think it was SummerSlam at the Birdswood Dome. And one of my fondest memories was sneaking up. I would have paid five bucks for a seat, sneaking up to baseline. And, and irrespective of what, what the score was, I was just hoping for you to go triple double. Taking it back, what's some of your finest memories as a Wildcat? And who's. You know, fondest teammates um, as a Wildcats uh, as a player, and, and even across. I mean, you obviously played a, a, a number of clubs. Who are you, some of your favorite teammates in the NBL? Well, it's, um, like I did, I have a lot of, um, I have a few favorite teammates. But you know, just speaking on, speaking on, um, probably the, my favorite teammate throughout my Australian career. Probably I have to say is uh, DMAC. D-Mac, yep. You know, because D-Mac, um, he reminded me a lot of myself, and, and it was just easy for me to – he's one of the easiest ones. You know, when you meet a teammate that got the same belief that you have, it's kind of easy for you to just uh, roll with each other and, you know, and don't, uh, don't judge each other and things like that. So D-Mac was a type um, – you know, all he wanted to do was win. And I'm like, okay, shit, that's all I want to do too. So, you know, if you just, you know, um, think about it, you know, that just the main. That's the main thing. That's what we all out there to do, realistically. So, you know, when he just the way he was, like, of course you want to play good, but at the end of the day, the main thing is is winning, and that's um, and that just stood out to me a lot. You know, like I said, they get the stats and things like, you know, I had them triple doubles, but the triple doubles never really mattered to me as much as they did at if we lost compared to if we won, you know? Yeah, what, what's the... I mean, you're obviously keeping a keen eye on the NBL, especially with guys still playing. What, what's what's you seen as the stark contrast in playing styles over the years? I mean, I've seen it from nine years ago to what what it is now. What have you seen as as the difference? I mean, I still think... I mean, there was athletic guys back then. I mean, what what have you seen as a contrasting style in, in terms of the transition of the NBL? Uh, I think it got... I think it have gotten a lot smaller, though. Yep. You know, compared to when I was playing, you, you had more seven foot centers and six eleven power forwards For and sure. things like that. And now it's like, uh, I guess everybody, uh, Golden State didn't change the game all around the world now. Mm. You know, but the good thing about it is, um, it's, it's it's exciting to watch and it's fast and you know people they play they playing hard and things like that. So you know it's um. It's a different ball game at this point in time, but it's still just exciting as it was back then, though. How how do you think your skills would translate to the game <laughs> today, Richard? That sort of quicker tempo, as you say, oh, a uh, bit more getting out and running. How do you think you'd go in today's game? Oh, I, I kill them! I kill them! <laughs> oh, man, I kill them! They just too easy. It'll be too easy for me because these boys they asked me, so they asked me, uh, have I ever did I ever thought about being the best player? 
And I say, I, you know, honestly, I just never thought about being the best player because I just every time I went in the gym, I just never seen nobody better than me. Yeah, uh, love I that just mentality. Never thought about that, you know. So, but I just think um, I think it'll be, you know, just personally with my with the way I played, I think it'll be a little. I think I probably have a little more advantage to it because I I like to post up a lot more than these guys, you know, than a lot of these guys do nowadays. So you, if you look at the game now, ain't too much, ain't too much of the scoring coming from the inside. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you, just, you still playing? No, nah, all I play is PlayStation now. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't play no more. I could play if I wanted to, but you know, it ain't it ain't the day of the plan. It's the next two, three days. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I got kids to run out there and all that. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> That's awesome. Rashad, how how closely do you keep an eye on the Wildcats now? And and I've got to ask you about your exit as well. I know it's a long time ago, but you and you and Scott Fisher didn't see eye to eye quite at the end there. Do you still sort of hold any ill feeling with how that went down, or is that all water under the bridge? And and you like watching Perth now? How do you sort of yeah, feel about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, man. That's that was I was done with that probably the the day out after it happened. <laughs> you know, great. <laughs> Because it's it's a business, you know. I yep. can't, you know, as bad as uh, the player and the coach, as bad as you want to try to please people, especially from a team point of uh, teammate point of view. I'm like, I didn't, I never, I never thought that it should have got to that point, or I think I did anything to where I should have been let go the way I did. But I'm like, well, I just know I might, you know, you might not like me, but I can still play. So I, somebody else, somebody appreciate me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just kept it moving. It really didn't bother me at all. And I have talked to Fisher a few times since then. And, you know, it ain't no love lost. It's just part of the business. And he saw something different. And, you know, he was the boss. So I couldn't sit there and make him keep me or beg him to keep me. I said, okay, thanks for everything. Got to go, got to (laughs) go. Well, it it, it ended up working out pretty well for you, Rashad. Obviously winning a a title with Melbourne, I think the following season or maybe a season after that with, I think Darren McDonald was on that team. Was he he still on that team when Melbourne got the win? Yep, yep. He was on my my team. Uh, He was on my team the whole time I was up there. And, you know, I see Joey, I see... uh, I see Joey around from time to time, and I told him we should have won. I should have had two rings. We should have won back to back against that quote unquote Brisbane team. <laughs> but, no, I ain't gonna. You know, I ain't gonna say nothing about that. I just asked him, let me have my ring, man. <laughs> I um, and and you spent a little bit of time up in Cairns as well when Nate Jawai was just starting out. I mean, I'll ask yep. I'll ask you and Greg as well. What would it, what was it like? at practice when occasionally you had to get switched on and you might find yourself in the post against Nate getting switched on to him. What was that like? Well, you know, uh, you know, just it's good. Like, you know, uh, people, a lot of people didn't know. I took, I took Nate up under my wing just like I did with Maju. Yep. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I never backed down from, uh, like, one thing coming up where I came from, size don't matter, you know. So I, I was trying to prevent getting switched in with him <laughs> because I know you know I know what's possibly what's going to happen but you know the, the time that I did like all you can do is, as a competitor all you can do is make him earn it yeah you know that's all, that's all you can do so I do when I got switched on him a few times and we used to mess, we used to mess around and play one on one I just used to try to make him make a shot as far away from the basket as he can if he if his jump hook got to come from the charge sucker you might got a chance at that time 
You know what I mean? So just make it tough. It's just make it make them work for it. That's all you can do. Yeah. We um. I'm just gonna. We got obviously being a fan favorite show. We've got a couple of uh, listening questions um, that have come in, um, and obviously you know they wanted to talk about. It. They they've asked, you know, who your influences and coaches were growing up, and and also couldn't help but noticed you, you sort of played a lot like skip skip to my Lou Rafalst, and you know is there any plays uh, you you grew up trying to emulate um, or, or model your game around? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, the well, you know, my favorite, my ultimate favorite. So I took what I did is people kind of people don't quite quite understand it. You know, like what I did, I took about three or four players and I just added them. I just took parts of their game and called myself adding it to mine. Like you know, like the thing I took from Jordan because I grew up I'm a diehard Bulls fan. Yeah. The thing I took from Jordan is his confidence and his will to work and just to compete. Yep. Now and then, the thing I took from Scottie Pippen was his his all around game, the way he handled the ball. And the thing I took from Dennis Rodman is his rebounding. And the thing I took from Isaiah Thomas is is the uh, assist. And so that's how I, that's how you know I, I find a way. That's the one of the ways where everywhere I've been, I didn't had all these triple doubles and things like that because I added you know like these these kind of players parts of their game to mine so you got the rebounding the all around the confidence of Jordan and then the assist of uh, Isaiah Thomas so and put it all together and then you know you, you end up scoring you end up rebounding you end up getting some assists so R- Rashad so, sorry you go so but on the, the ultimate is Jordan though yeah, what what? Jordan. I was going to ask, what was it like growing up in in Illinois during that mm. that Bulls era when they were just a juggernaut, the team that everyone wanted to watch for you to sort of be there on the ground in in that home state. What what was that like as a as a kid trying to to model your game on these guys and and being there at the coalface of it? Man, you know it's um it's it's one of the things like I be t- like because I I got quite a few kids that I that I'm in, that I'm inspiring over here with basketball and 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 one thing I tell them I say man it's something it's, it's a moment that I wish everybody that played basketball could see like you know like how people they love LeBron this era and these kids they love LeBron and love Kobe mm. but it ain't it ain't touch, LeBron and Kobe ain't touching everybody like that Jordan did mm. in the Bulls so it just I just wish everybody could um I wish everybody could have had a chance to see what I've seen and, and, and um, have a have a view of it, uh, the game on how I got influenced by them bulls and things like that. I mean, I'm with you. Being that generation, I grew up on Jordan. I mean, I still watch the air up there from VHS. I'm just to, to emulate that. We got another one from Mick Rogers. How how did that old Challenge Stadium crowd compare to the other arenas you played at, or you know, the other arenas around the world, the league? What, what were some of your favorite arenas? Oh, I loved um, I loved over in Perth. The uh, Challenge the Challenge Stadium was rocking. Yep. The talent stadium was rocking. Yes, it was. It was rocking. Even though that floor was hard as hell. <laughs> Man. Mate, that, that, that's short and while I cruised about, I reckon, two years. I, don't, I can agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Man, I used to, I had to tell a couple of them players, like Liam Ross, said, man, look, if y'all see me falling, try to catch me, man. I don't want to But, uh, no, uh, that talent stadium was rocking. And then uh, the the netball center was rocking too, you know. Of course, when you win and things like that. So um, 
No, both both of them both of them crowds they was they was uh man it was love you know what I mean they accepted our teams and and enjoyed what we was uh, putting on the court and things like that so um, yeah they was um, they was a big a big part of you know the wins and the loss you know the, the wins the losses and the whole little journey you know so no nah, it was good man it was good. Hey, um, Rashad, our last question before we let you go, mate, is from Adam Westerhout, who's a, a big fan of yours, <laughs> a massive Rashad Tucker fan. And he's, he's talking about Made his... Made his own mixtape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's talking about his favourite play of yours as a Wildcat, and he reckons it's not captured on film. I wanted to see if you remembered it. He reckons it's a massive dunk on Anthony Stewart, where you took off from just inside the free-throw line, and it looked like it would be a sweet finger roll, but it turned into a massive jam through traffic. Do you remember that play, Rashad? Um, no, nah, I don't. I don't quite remember it. Too, too many dunks. Too top. many other dunks to compete with. Yeah, because you know I, I, I had I had a no layup rule. <laughs> uh, no, I just remember. Only time I can remember that I, if it's the one that I'm thinking when we was playing in Cannes, and uh, and I took I got a steal or something. I took off in with somebody right there. So I don't know if that's the one, but um. Yeah, I just because I have was just looking at that on that NBL on that um, you know they got the classic games and stuff. Yep, yep. And I saw it on there, but I can't quite remember if that's the one he'll be talking about or okay. what not. That, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit just over. Were you ever close uh, NBL? I mean, obviously back then as well. But was there any looks or you know? I mean, obviously games a bit different. But um, how close were you to, to making that step? That jump. Oh, I was uh, I was re- I was real close actually, man. It's uh, a two story. Like um, I had about I had about three four trials. Like uh, yeah. when I tried out with Milwaukee Bucks one time when they had this when they had Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, and Glenn Big Dog Robinson and all them. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah, you know I couldn't I couldn't be, I wasn't disappointed that they didn't keep me, but I made it all the way to the last cut because you know the way they do it, they bring in. 20, 25 guys in on a Sunday and they make the cuts all the way to the next Sunday. So I hung in there to the, about that Saturday just competing with, uh, you know, uh, the likes of Michael Red when he was a lot younger and oh, things wow. like that. And then another team I went, I went out there with Utah when they had Stockton and, you know, and Malone and things wow. like that. And I did pretty well, but they just so happened to need a big man at the time. Like that's, and um, so the three teams with the, that I got that I didn't make it was, um, they all needed a big man. The Withers was another one. Yep. And, um, but then what happened was I went over, I went, um, I went overseas. I went to uh, Belgium and, and toured up. And then I went to Greece and had a pretty good run. And then I came back and played in the CBA, which they called the D League. Yeah, okay. So I was coming off the bench. I was, I was playing for this team called the Dakota Withers. And the, the head coach was the head coach of, um, right now, he the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, Dave Yeager. Okay. Yep. So at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm backing up. I don't know if y'all remember a guy from Arizona named Miles Simon. Yeah, Miles Simon yeah, came yeah. out to Perth with Mike Bibby when they won the national championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was, um, I was backing up him and this guy named Andy Panko at the 2-3 spot, but I was putting up good numbers. So anyway, making a long story short, my agent called me and said, yeah, um, you know, I had got player of the week and played good for a good couple of weeks. And he said, yeah, the Spurs going to come. The Spurs want to come get you and take give you a 10-day. So I said, okay, I'm cool. I said, cool, cool. So we get to, uh, we get to, um, we plan a team. I think it was called uh, Sioux Falls. Yep. We go to Sioux Falls and they shoot around. The coach, Dave Yeager, 
he told me that the same thing at shoot around. Right? He said, okay, just play hard. Don't, you know, try to do nothing that you am customer doing. I said, okay, cool. And then, for some reason, it came to the game, the man ain't played me at all. Oh, you're joking. Ah, he didn't play me at all. I was, oh, I was so hot. <laughs> I, was, I was so mad. So that was my last, that, that's yeah, when I lost okay. all hope. That's yeah. when I said, forget the NBA. This ain't for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I, well, if you know NBA, we got the pleasure of watching you on That's, our shores for a few yeah. years. So there's always good things happen for a reason. So, yeah, thanks a lot, man. Cause I say that to, I tell I tell the kids that you know I used to be mad I didn't make the NBA, but now I now I look at it in a different way because if I just say if I would have made the NBA, I wouldn't have got to meet a lot of lovely people that I had a chance to meet. So. Good perspective. That's it, mate. And we're um, we're stoked that you came to Australia and, and really thrilled that you're still here doing, as I say, some mentoring work with some of the best young talent coming through. Rashad, we've got to let you go, mate. We could talk all day with you, sure. I'm sure, but uh, we've got to get you off the line. Thanks so much for joining the podcast well, for me, and, uh, and best of luck with all the mentoring stuff. All right, thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks again, mate. Rashad Tucker there. How good was that Greg to reminisce with some of those memories oh it's awesome I mean obviously I think that's like your pinnacle of like when you you love a sport or a team you know like obviously when I grew up Michael Jordan was the guy I love like I like you know the young fellas in our team Reese Vague Lockie Cummings Sunday they LeBron, all that and all that, you know, um, they talk about James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and you sort of, you have an appreciation, but whenever you go through an error, you're always accustomed to be more favourable to what you're actually watching. Yes. I mean, you know, the argument, you know, like your top five all the time, like Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, um, never really saw them. They had absolutely crazy stats, but never saw them. So when you're going through that, you know, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, because was, that was my heyday. And then, so you, you look at that, the Wildcats, that's like when I was a teenager and actually allowed out of the house to go to Wildcat games. That was, yeah, to see Rashad Tucker, Rob mm-hmm. Feaster, those sort of guys, Todd Lichty. Um, yeah, the imports. So, um, and yeah, and as I said, it was a transition. It was a sort of the Wildcats weren't really performing as already accustomed to win championships. And he was an absolute highlight reel, you know, like that triple-double count was mm-hmm. was a joke. It's sort of when Cedric Jackson was going years ago getting it, he's sort of like, when was the last time, yeah, it was that, and it was Julius Hodge, and it was Rashad Tucker before him. So yep. awesome to tell, talk to him, and and more so good to see that he's doing work in that mentoring space. Absolutely, um, it's funny when he talks about Dave Yeager. Um, Trevor Gleason, when he said decode us, I sort of I was like, okay, decode because Trev was involved in the CBA back then. And when he says Sioux Falls, Dave Yeager was like uh, maybe mentoring or was involved with Trev. So I would not be surprised if yeah, Trevor was on the Sioux Falls or Dakota coaching staff when that happened. So I'm, tomorrow I'm going to be okay. asking, were you there when Rashad Tucker was there? And if so, why did he not get any minutes? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. We'll get to the bottom of that. Exactly. We'll give you guys an update next week. Incidentally, that. 2004 uh, SummerSlam game yeah. of Boozwood that you're talking about that's on I was that's actually on YouTube the entire you're game joking. of that is on YouTube you which go. I was looking at a couple of hours ago in, prepare, in preparation for this I was at that game as well yeah, just sitting yeah. right up the back fresh out of high oh, school mate. great memories uh, yeah definitely worth I remember watching. there was and one brought out and they had tryouts um you know, for for players to play against and one, and obviously I was too young, I wasn't even good enough, and a couple of mates. But um, yeah, a few of them got sort of selected, and then you realise it sort of was that Harlem Globetrotters feel. So like, and one were expected to win, so they basically told players not to show them up at all. So if you had any skill, it was like. 
don't do that. It's part of the act. <laughs> you have skill, don't show it. <laughs> exactly right. But um, yeah, and it was a bit weird, you know. For, I don't, it wouldn't happen now, but it was when like and one was bigger than the Wildcats. It was like people came just to watch them, mm. and then the game was like this the thing behind. Like that was yeah. the, the the spectacle was watching and one perform, and then yeah, Wildcats and. You know, even crazy. Look at the crowds off there. Would have got the dome, maybe what it was eight and a no, half. I eight think. and a half, yeah. and that was like a huge thing. Yeah, and yeah. Now, like we're looking at, you know, 13, now eight and a half would be a horrible crowd. <laughs> Correct. For you guys. Yeah. Crazy how yeah, things have changed. It's, it's absolutely changed very quickly. And as we say, Rashad was really important in that era. Yeah. Sort of bridging the the greatness of the grace. For sure. Fisher, Vlahov, Crawford era before the the Bedford It was another. Started. It was another polarizing figure, like a, a name that you know when you go through and you you say oh, who's the Wildcat players that you're going to remember for some time. Yeah. And yeah, you've got those icons. He is there. Maybe he was only there for a few years, but just because of how exciting he was, mm. he allowed a guy you know for crowd members to go. Yeah, I recognise that. If you said, "Hey, what were your finest memories of that period?" It's he gave more reasons exactly to watch right. those games. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, time for one quick Twitter question before we uh, wrap it up from Jared. Goddard, he wants to know how the injured trio are tracking. Yeah. You guys have got two big games against New Zealand, Friday in New Zealand, Sunday here. Yep. Um, Trev sort of mentioned that Tariko White might be tracking a little bit ahead of the other two guys. Can you give yeah, us an update? Yeah, uh, Tariko is all but confirmed, okay. I'd imagine. Um, he yeah, was in our game simulation stuff today. Damo and, and Gus have been training this whole week. Um, so obviously, they'll, they'll give him until the last minute to make the decision on, on whether to play, but obviously also knowing that it's a pretty quick turnaround yes. go to New Zealand which is a, a long leg and flying doesn't aid in recovery um, so go to New Zealand and back it up Sunday so we'll see they've been training all week but uh, more than likely oh, there's a shoe in I would imagine Tariko is back in, the, in in this week but I would yeah say the other guys are 50-50 and they'll say yeah, a little bit of a fitness test tomorrow morning to see if they're, they're on, the, on board the plane so yeah. if, if he wants to find out he can meet us at Brian early tomorrow <laughs> at, the, at the lounge and what, what time do you fly it's not no, like 4.30 last week bad. right no, no, I've got to be at 7.30 at the airport, so, okay. yeah, not too how, bad. How was the 3am or whatever it was wake up last <sighs> Mate, week? Mate, brutal. Like, more so, you only because when you used to just normal wake up, which my alarm is no longer an alarm, it's when the kids <laughs> cry out. Um, so then when I had to wake up at 3.30, you know when you just get so worried and anxious that you're going to go buy your yeah, alarm? You so like waking yourself up. Correct. Yeah. So literally at like 1.30, I was like, oh, and then I thought, I'm sleeping way too long here. So I quickly woke up and it's only like 2 o'clock. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. 30 minutes? Yeah. So, nah, fun times, fun times. Um, crystal ball time I was before close, we get I? out of here. From last week? You were very close. Oh, I'll no. kind of give you half credit to you. You said you'd have five guys in double digits against four, Cairns. Right? You had Bryce with 26 points, Mitch K, uh, Mitch K, Nick K with 18, <laughs> Mitch Norton with 18, Tom Jervis with 12, but also Greg High with 13 rebounds. <laughs> I don't think you actually said points. So five guys in double figures there was kind go. of right. No, take it. But I'm pretty sure we had a fifth guy on eight, right? Because yes. I remember looking at the I end of the game. Wags, yeah. yeah, and we were... Uh, down, like sort of, it was and, done, and Wags done. might have missed two. No, nah, missed, missed one, one. missed yeah, one. But okay. I literally was like, when I knew we we're up by six, and I was like, even if Bryce does a salmon on someone, <laughs> we can't lose. There's no eight point play. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember looking at the scoreboard, and I was like, oh, I wish I could have told Robbo I got this right. Get the board, so. get the board of Jesse. <laughs> um, and I said a coach was going to swear in a timeout, which it they happened. did. I think it was no. Joey. There was right, another one as well. Super early. Yeah. There was at least one. So yeah. that was a pretty easy one for me. Um, <laughs> I'll take the split this weekend for my crystal ball I think you guys in New Zealand always tough to win over there always tough for them to win over here 
I'm, and we'll see if I'm right next week, Greg. If you guys can get if you guys can get two wins against New Zealand, yep. still without a full roster, and yep. go to that break at ten and one, I think yeah. you would be if you do that. That'd be an absurd way to start the season. If it happens, fantastic for you. I think you'll get the split. Fun, I think you'd be quite happy with that. Funnily enough, my crystal ball was I'm good. We're going two and zero. Okay, so oh, happy. Okay, go. so we've got direct competing like, crystal surely ball. Surely we can maybe even put like a little like I'll, I'll if if I win. Like you bring coffee in next week, okay, yeah, let's do it. and and, uh, and do that. So okay, let's um, do it. High stakes stuff. Exactly. <laughs> uh, before we head off, though, I want to give yes. you a little bit of a. Uh, bring some notice uh, obviously the FIBA qualifying break is next week yes. uh, obviously I always give a self plug but a stitch in time we're, uh, we're launching and this is breaking news we, we've launched our very first basketball tournament and in, in, in conjunction with the City of Vincent and Binar Sports so it's a no cost uh, tournament we're running uh, basketball tournament and running alongside educational uh, workshop centre around mental health and resilience all throughout that day which is on December 2nd so we'll be all through all of our social media sort of stuff but I'd encourage everyone to go down there. Where, whereabouts? Uh, it's just at Loftus Recreation okay, Centre. Nice. So it's fa- it's a fantastic opportunity. Obviously, we'll get a little bit of a break, but more so when I look at um, any sort of sport and participation rates, if if they're lower than expected, you sort of ask what are the reasons and there's restrictions, obviously financial costs. So for us, we're making this a completely free event. All registration is free. Like kids don't have to pay for that. I've off my own back sort of organised referees and food and doing all that sort of stuff but on the other side and I understand how important the game of basketball can be to kids but we also want to bring another side and be able to sit with these kids in a room for an hour during the day and run through the mentoring programs that the Stitch and Time do um, and give back is, is huge and so pretty pumped to sort of it's a it's obviously just a one sort of day thing and obviously we'll help expand but sort of targeting that low socioeconomic area where kids unfortunately have the opportunity to play um, sport to give them an opportunity to play and have a little bit of fun and get a feed and do all that sort of stuff so yeah I'd encourage people listeners come down there'll be some really good talent we've got the Binar kids who are under 20 um, predominantly indigenous kids unbelievable athletes and they're going to play in sort of a talent showcase against Fantastic. some of WA's up best and up and comers as well and um, they'll sort of end the day but uh, excited to, to, to do that that's great so Sunday December 2 down yeah, at Loftus, Loftus Recreation Centre 8.30 to 6.30 come on down it'll be good to see your support these kids would love it they'll love a big crowd and um, and they'll all be supporting BNR Sports and a stitch and time right and as you say no NBL on that weekend so no excuse to get down there and uh, get around a great cause Greg we'll get you out of here Absolute best of luck against the Kiwis 2-0 coffee's next <laughs> week <laughs> and to our listeners stay tuned to Perth now in the West we'll chat to you next time the Dribble Podcast is brought to you by Perth Now, your home of sporting action from home and abroad.